BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Science fiction is obviously way better than fantasy. It's fantasy. I don't know how you're such an idiot all the time. are the idiots. You sit there on your high horse thinking sci-fi. How much have you read? Are these your books? No. You've only, you know, you're too much. Your mom hates too you. Much your dad adopted you. You stop. Your glasses, Rich. Oh, thank yep. you. Thanks. Yeah. So, anyways, um, sci-fi fantasy. So, uh, to yeah, Ramble. Welcome episode, back yeah. to, to Ramble episode yes. sixty-nine. Yep. To Ramble podcast. My name is Richard. My name is Austin. And today we're talking about which is better, science fiction or fantasy. And clearly, there's a disagreement. There is. There's a disagreement. It is minor. It's However, very minor. we take minor disagreements <laughs> and blow them out of proportion. And so that's going to be the fun. Because you know what's hilarious? If I asked you, what's your second favorite subgenre? Oh, yeah, it's fantasy. And mine is sci fi. (laughs) They're both great. (laughs) But here's the thing he doesn't 100% agree with me. So now we need to make an hour podcast on something very trivial. Oh, of course. The only type of podcast discussion is conversations that should not be had otherwise. No. A better conversation might be hey, Richard. Why are you still a mess in your life, but more organized on the pod? Like, what does that say Ooh, about that's you? A, that's a better thing. Why? Why do you not take my advice? Because mainly because I'm not one to emulate. Like, those oh. are deeper conversations that oh. we really should have. And it's like when I look in the mirror and I talk to myself, and if someone talked to me the way I talk to myself, I'd kill that man. Like, what does that say about me and my insecurities? My, oh, God. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Okay. That's a different okay. channel. Oh, my God. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> so fantasy sci-fi. Fantasy and sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sci-fi. You know, let's break it down like this. Okay. Yeah. So fantasy and sci-fi, definition we've used in the past. And we're going to use this broad definition of fantasy deals with the impossible. Sci-fi deals with the improbable. I like that definition a lot. In general, yeah. that I think that's a good stake to put it, but there yeah. is also a vibe. So there's, I, I think we'll get into it later, but I think there are stories which are very much not really a science fiction story, but mm-hmm. take place in a science fiction setting. Just as I think there are plenty of fantasy stories that are, are, are sto- fiction stories that are not really a fantasy story, yeah. but it takes place in a fantasy setting. Okay. Example would be The Lies of Locke Lamora. Is, it's a heist. It's a heist book. 
it does take place in a fantasy setting, but it's not really a fantasy story per se. It's more a it heist story feel than like that. It. It's not a vibe. The vibe mm. is not fantasy. The vibe is heist. Got it. So, because you could deal in a lot of different tropes or subgenres or themes, and fantasy might be, you know, the third or fourth most important thing, and the focus is on. I think a lot of that is can it be subbed out for something else? Okay. And does it fundamentally change the story? Okay. I like that. And I'm going to ask you on your, your sci fi specifically, but here's a broad stat that I found okay. where science fiction and fantasy, they're usually lumped together. So, again, the reason we're having this whole conversation is because bookstores lump them together. We. <laughs> create huge differences on minor details but sci-fi and fantasy generated 590 million in revenue in the u.s this is just u.s alone out of like a 10 billion market of books just book sales whereas audiobooks that's 1.6 billion so a lot more audiobooks sold but it's a big market and although it's not the top i think the top was romance uh i, I believe that was in fiction something interesting though even though other books do better Mm-hmm. Romance typically sells more per year. The top-selling books of all time, a lot of them are fantasy. You have Harry Potter, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Chronicles of Narnia. A lot is of that, these are top selling. Is that due to volume, specifically, that there's far more romance novels in existence, and mm-hmm. so their sales numbers are bigger, where there's less science fiction and fantasy books? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But also interesting enough, the sci-fi books don't sell nearly as well as fantasy. The top sold yeah. that I could find. Now this, you know, this is me researching this, so it's probably a lie. And also, this is the best. This I sounds think. like studies and people with lab coats, which stuff. we don't like. That stuff. I yeah, I don't, don't like that no. thing. No, it's not a Mm-mm-mm. people in lab coats. Just they suck. I, I general, I I take the random person's opinion on the street over some lab coats. I would take that opinion over yours. Any understandable? It's mutual. Yeah. But Dune is the most sold fantasy, sorry, sci-fi book at 20 million copies versus they say Harry Potter has 500 million copies sold. So big difference there. No surprise though. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Science fiction is for nerds. It's by nerds for nerds for the most part. Yeah, and talk, okay, sci-fi then. I want to throw this at you. Since you're mm-hmm. defending the sci-fi stance, Yeah, I love sci-fi, but I'm going to be attacking the sci-fi stance. <laughs> what, let's go over the pros, cons of why you love it so much and its drawbacks to you. The number one thing that I bring from sci-fi, why I think I like it more, or I love it more, is I feel it has far more application to real life. That realistic world building. Well, no. Typically, it covers themes and ideas that I can take from the story and apply to real life uh, ideologies and thoughts. Where it's for far more applicable thought experiment. Where fantasy, I don't tend to get the same thing. Interesting. So you get something applicable, like the message of the story that that the message or the the setting, the world building typically brings up something. Insight, incitive about our own world. This is great. We have a very big minor disagreement then. Yeah. Because that's why I get more out of fantasy. Whereas the world, you take the world. Oh, that's it. Hmm. That's it. You are a world first person. I am a character first person. That I is, think that might be part of it. Yes and no in a, a caveat. Okay. A caveat lot me. of times in science fiction, you will see how you're kind of taking 
real world characters and normally if they're more realistic people people that you would see today mm-hmm. and then putting into a science fiction setting and so you kind of get the impression of how would real people react in this what if scenario That's yeah sci-fi is a big one it what if right? but it's important to see how the characters react characters are important because mm-hmm. it's more of an analog to how how would i how would others react in this scenario and so that's an important um important thing to pull back from where fantasy often has fantastical people and in a way there's a bit of a disconnect of i don't know if those kind of are real people and can i really pull a lesson from them of course you can but it's not the same to me so sci-fi to you you have those more self-insert characters of i could see myself being that and it's not even yourself it's humanity okay humanity that we all live with today how Mm -hmm. would how would our human race react to this what if scenario where fantasy puts kind of fantastical people it's not the same would you agree that sci-fi books tend to have more static characters they tend to yeah right and which goes along with the self-insert of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So that's where... Do you think you look at it world first, then characters second? Or what's the first thing that draws you to a book? If we're just talking initial interest. World. Okay, that's fair to say, because for me, the world's secondary mm. to characters. And that's where all of mine comes from. So when it comes to getting something out of a novel, whereas you get from sci-fi the what-if scenarios, and you learn a more grand message from that world first scenario whereas when i'm reading a fantasy book they they tend to be this is a generalization but it's pretty much all across true fantasy focus on the characters way more than sci-fi does where the characters are dynamic there's a lesson or there's a moral of the story that's learned so typically i'll get more from the fantasy book of myself insert won't be um you know i'm the character in the sci-fi world and that's how i would act but the self insert for me is someone that's going through uh depression someone that's going through a mental illness, something that's go, someone that I can never experience. Like I can never be a king, but how would a king deal with this scenario? I will not, so sci-fi, I can self-insert myself, but fantasy allows me to explore thousands of worlds where they throw morals at me and they question it. I have to question myself and go, what would I do? What's the right thing to do? And this character growth that you're rooting for, whether it's getting over revenge and vengeance, whether it's over a loss of a loved one, there's always something there I can take from and apply it somewhere. Hmm. And even if it's completely unrelatable, like I can't, I can't relate to PTSD. I can't relate to war crimes and I can't relate to somebody that has to deal with that. But I can empathize enough while I'm reading it and understand the best I can. Without it, being, without it happening to myself, I could put myself in their shoes just for that moment and feel you know, again, the noir guy, just I let a finger down on my fingertip just so I can feel something. That's me with fantasy books. I just want to feel. I, I understand that. Yeah. And I will say I have definitely more emotional moments with fantasy. For the most part, I have more cheering moments. I, I, I get, I understand that whole point. Yeah. However, the longevity of a book in my mind... I think has to go to science fiction because it's not just a self-insert. It's not individual insert. It's specifically humanity's insert. Can I ask you a question? What's your favorite book series of all time? Wheel of Time. Oh, is that sci- what sci-fi novel is? Uh-huh. 
Rafa. Oh, actually? Yes, actually. Oh, okay, I'm too early in the book. You're too early. <laughs> all right, fine. What's your second favorite series of all time that I have read? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what is that sci-fi, huh? <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't often think yeah. about those stories as often. Whoa. Like, I've enjoyed it. I've had the highest highs of enjoyment wow. when I'm reading about it. But the things I still think about today, I still think about Ender's Game. Still. To this day. Yeah. I think about Red Rising's world more so than I think about uh, Stormlight. Now, I do love Red Rising so much. We were having a mm-hmm. mini conversation about this earlier that it tends to, it says it's sci-fi. It, is, it has sci-fi elements, <laughs> but it feels fantasy for some reason. Yeah. If, if you agree? Oh, no, completely. Yeah. But some of the lessons. So yeah. my first earliest lesson I got from a book was Ender's Game. And it was a character focus, but... I just remember, I mean, this was something like middle school, I yeah. believe, when reading it. Would we have been and, friends in middle school? Oh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we probably would have. We were both losers. Yeah, we were we, both we losers. We still are. Still are, but you less so, and so, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was nice. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> because you're defending the sci-fi stance. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, wait, me defending fantasy makes me cool for this video. Here's the thing. Yeah. Sci-fi is for nerds. Fantasy is for geeks. Mm. Just saying, the best sci-fi ever written is written by people who have a PhD. Interesting. And it shows. It just really shows. Yeah. (laughs) But my point is, Ender, in the very beginning of the book, Mm -hmm. the conversation in his own head about him beating up his bully and how this whole thought process going through of, I, you know, he surprised, he got a surprise attack, got a lucky shot on him and he could run away now and he'd, he'd win the day. And he realized, no, this guy has friends. He'll come back. And he starts beating on him Mm. hard, like more and more and like showing that he's crazy and realizing like, I can't just win the battle. I got to win the war. And that, that whole internal monologue conversation stuck with me of always thinking about like the future battle and why would he do something kind of so monstrous? Right. And in many ways, he was... It's like preemptive self-defense, mm. in a way. But in a really weird way. That whole scene has stuck in my head for so long. That's great. That, that's a very early lesson of like always thinking about the future consequences. It's hard to disagree with you when I love Ender's Game. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. Best, one of the best plot twists ever. And a great character. Oh, yeah. Which is rare. I guess that's why it's one of my favorite of sci-fi, is mm-hmm. that when sci-fi leans more into the characters, I am all over it. I yeah. am in love. And with that, that's the first lesson you remember learning from a, from a book you read? I think so. I mean, there's yeah. pr- plenty of probably children's books I could probably apply Magic some lessons, but, Ga- Or Magic Treehouse. Or yeah, sure. Stuff, sure. But first lesson I still think about and remember, and I can apply it in many other different settings where I'll just think about the world. Mm-hmm. I still think about Dune. I, the, the world of Arrakis is just so fascinating to me. Yeah. And just, it honestly gives me thoughts to our current culture of how weird a setting like Dune could take place of mm-hmm. this technological advancements. But as they further progressed in technology, they went back culturally, like this super advanced uh, interplanetary system. But now they're back to feudalism. 
they have all of this advanced technology for computers, but they're now back to navigation by, like, druggies. Uh, they have all these big laser weapons and all this stuff, but they're back down to fighting with swords and shields. Yeah. And it makes me think of, how does that apply today? Do, do we actually advance so far in a, tech, in, in a technological fashion that we actually have to revert culturally? That it actually negatively affects our culture. Red Rising has elements of that. Yeah, Where definitely. the whole point is, hey, robots... It's even mentioned in Golden Sun where robots and aliens, why... Or why robots are not a problem. Yeah. It's mentioned. So kind of reverting of, hey, we had to stop. You had to put our foot on the... Not pedal, but gas. In order, or sorry. Not the gas, but the the brakes. <laughs> why, what is wrong with me? That well, was... <laughs> even further with Red Rising, I think it's interesting... The more interesting aspect is yeah. why is the pinnacle of their current advanced civilization Rome? That they've mm-hmm. emulated their culture after an ancient civilization. That's a sign of like cultural decay and decline. Mm. That the best is behind them and they refuse to like they don't really so have their own culture. Hyperion was oh, I still think about it all the time. It the whole world itself of how these things would function and how would a world that time is actually a relative factor between peoples that parents can like children can be older than parents by significant degrees, depending on how uh, they use space travel and how would a culture uh, exist with endless content where there's so much content that no one can actually consume it all. And then brains processing it faster. And to the point that it we reach cultural stagnation. And that's so interesting to apply to today. So that's the stuff I still think about. Mm. Where I just don't think about fantasy as much after the story is completed. Yeah, I can't think what of... Are your, how do you yeah. think? Because I, I was talking about like why I so love the science fiction, why I bring it into my own life. How do you bring fantasy into your own? I mean, I never think about the themes in Lord of the Rings or or anything or, you know, all my favorite books. I just, I think it's crap in general. <laughs> With, to go on to your point of Hyperion in the Shadow of the Deep or what, what was that book we read in the Shadow? A Fire Upon the Deep. A Fire Upon the Deep, that book. So these sci-fi worlds, here, here's what Red Rising does for something that these other books that don't hit me as well, where I can almost feel, you, you could tell as a reader, when the author was going, and here, here's the amazing thing about Lord of the Rings, just while it's mentioned, but you could tell when the world is world first and then character second. Now, what I think Lord of the Rings did perfectly is it took the aspects of making the world, like what a sci-fi world does, of he has the language, he, he's a learner of language, Anglo-Saxon culture, studied Beowulf, this, this is his thing, but also created the most amazing characters ever. So when you have the best of both worlds, that's where you create a masterpiece, of course. So sci-fi typically goes world first, where fantasy, especially modern fantasy, typically goes character first. And you could tell. That's why I love Red Rising more. I think the the world <laughs> aspect for Pierce Brown was like, yeah, we'll throw in some cool elements, but it's Daryl Guy and then XYZ yeah. happens, right? So for me, what sticks with me the most going back off of that, you, you could still think back to Ender's Game. And I agree, I can, but I can think more of that because of Ender's character and what he learned as the character. I don't think about the world of Ender's Game as much as I think about the character growth of Ender's Game and what he had to go through. So the world is neat. 
But the thing I remember is the more fantasy-esque element of Ender's Game. Whereas with other books as well, if I'm to think, why do I love this book so damn much? Mm -hmm. It's always because a character overcame something or they weren't able to. Or something with a character that I learned that got me so emotionally invested. Insert any story ever. That could happen with, it could happen with nonfiction. But fantasy tends to be the genre where you have your author's going character first. Stormlight Archive, all the characters in there dealing with a mental, mental struggle, a mental illness. It's mm-hmm. so damn relatable. You want to see them overcoming it. You, you're seeing redemption arcs that could be re- redeeming, but then they get stopped short and you feel for them. And it just makes you think in so many directions. I'll throw out another like Sword of Kagan. Sword of yeah. Kagan, another fantastic fantasy book where oh, it yeah. just deals with grand themes of what happens after war. How do you put a family together or back together? And it deals with a mother's sincere relationship with her child and regret and all these huge themes that pull you in emotionally and are just very human. Mm -hmm. Very human. And sometimes with sci-fi worlds, when they're done best, I love them, of course. But sometimes with sci-fi worlds, it can get too theoretical. And this is me. Like, sci-fi is literally my second favorite genre ever. So I love sci-fi. But if I have to say why I give it the edge, sci-fi can get too in the weeds of a PhD is writing it. Someone with a PhD. And sometimes, honestly, too smart for me. Just dumb it down for poor Austin here, okay? (laughs) Hey, now, say the thing. I I always feel dumb when reading a science fiction book, and then I feel real smart after finishing it. I feel like, ooh, look at me. I finished The Fire Upon the Deep. (laughs) I still think of that as my, like, I'll put that on my resume. After I quit the pod, of course, because I got to drop this thing. It is As soon as possible. Seriously. Take the bag and leave. Oh, my God. Like, what what do you think I'm qualified for after doing this pod? (laughs) What, What could I possibly do? Like... Um, so I can edit <laughs> clips back and forth. Like I can cut out when they're not talking. I, talk, I can add music at the end and beginning. I can talk unentertainingly for an hour. <laughs> Just look at me. That's what I got. That's my assets. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that, I I actually yeah. just had a thought about it. Finally, you had a thought. Uh, I know. Yeah. Eventually, I get there. Like, yeah. Beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the reason why I take science fiction. It it just is sits in my mind a lot longer. Yeah. Is the it always piques my curiosity, and there's something about the different connections. So science fiction will often take something that I can apply to my own world and think, what if this setting was in my world? What would that be? And it leads to far more of a mental path to walk down toward. Right. Where in fantasy, it's either completely fantastical where it doesn't the world doesn't really apply to our own world because it's a fantastical setting or it's completely relatable and once it's relatable it's there and done there's no curiosity beyond that like i don't think i have a particular Mm. curiosity to apply to my own world like um, i'd go with um sort of kagan Mm mm-hmm um, we probably, I think it's Kaigen. I said Kaigen, Kaigen as well. Kaigen, Sorry, Kaigen, we, we, we mispronounced. Our apologies. But that book's uh, themes on a war-torn world and, mm-hmm. you know, parents going through grief. I, I understand that and I can empathize with it, but it's a little too real and it doesn't, too walk, it doesn't walk me down the, my curiosity. I'm not kind of going a what if. 
Like, I guess I could go, what it, what if I was in that scenario? But it doesn't go very far. Where mm. I think about um, Mark Lawrence's world mm-hmm. of... Is this spoiler? No, don't, oh, don't spoil. This Keep is like, soft. Yeah. Eh, this is like chapter... Or, this is back of the book spoilers. Okay. So, the, yeah, the setting of the world is the sun is dying. And so the world is actually slowly freezing over. And the moon is a satellite that is slowly melting the livable area on the planet but because it's going round in circle the freeze is faster than the the melting of the ice and so it's slowly encircling that whole thing gets me thinking for hours and Mm -hmm. still to this day i think about that world i'll have dreams about it it is wonderful Mm -hmm. that kind of endless curiosity is not the same in fantasy i would say maybe i misspoke earlier we both misspoke Mm -hmm. That isn't just sci-fi deals with the what if, because fantasy, of course, deals with the what if. It's just an impossible what if versus the improbable what if. So Mm -hmm. fantasy, so okay, you can fly now. How does that change the world? How does that change everything? It it just doesn't. It's it's not the you know, unless we. It it doesn't deal with the curiosity you're looking for of hey, I could go fly tomorrow, figure out how to fly. That's an eventual future. Is that where you're getting it? Yeah, it, it just doesn't lend to a very long. Uh, internal thought process. Interesting. And why, so why is that when you think of fantasy worlds? Fantasy doesn't really pique my curiosity. Hmm. It can excite me. It can okay. enthrall me. I can be emotional about it, but it doesn't pique my curiosity. Got it. Where science fiction typically does. And that's why I think it stays with me longer. Do you ever feel... I'll use this tool against you, Mm. Discworld. Yeah. Because when I'm thinking curiosity and fantasy, that's the first series that sticks out to me of that is extremely curious and that is as fantasy as you can get. (laughs) What would you say about something like Discworld? Is that that an exception? Because exception doesn't disprove the rule, but is that one where you'd say goes against generally what you think of fantasy? Certainly. I I think so. To a certain degree, because... Discworld, the most fascinating character in Discworld is the Discworld. There's no other than death. There's a couple standout yeah. there's a couple standout characters, mm-hmm. of course. But when I'm reading a Discworld book, I'm not really there for the character particularly. I'm really? there for the world of Discworld. That's what oh. brings me that I'm I'm picturing the world okay. in of itself and I want to explore different aspects mm-hmm. of it. I want to go back to Ankhmore Pork. I want to explore that area. And it's so fascinating to me how their world works. I love it for the same reasons, but I think I get attached to the character. Like it, yeah. it's small gods where we have, you know, Vorbis and then your uh Ohm, the god of Ohm, I can't brother. Brother. And just his message, I'm not spoiling anything for the story, read Small Gods if you haven't, but Brother and what we learn through his experience throughout the world is amazing, and when you see the Philosopher City, the, the city itself and all the world is so cool because I love the characters, and I want oh, to see yeah. them interact with it. So Again, we still love it. It's a masterful dunt of, it Both. does yeah. that world building that piques my curiosity, but also does that wonderful characters that yeah. bring you, really brings you in. It's a wonderful blend of both. So you'd that, say that's why things perfect. like Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time... Discworld do that. Oh, yeah. They pull in... Got like, it. The best thing about Wheel of Time for me is the fact that it piques my curiosity on the world. Mm-hmm. I still think about the world. And then also, the characters are great and interesting. Okay, I'd argue then that fantasy more often gets both right than sci-fi. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins. 
and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. So think about it. When you're going character first, usually you can land on a really interesting world. Whereas sci-fi starting world first, it's harder to get land on an interesting character. And I will be very pretentious about them and say maybe because they have a PhD, they don't understand people. <laughs> <laughs> like think if you're if you're that smart, it's hard. To, yeah. No. Like if you're I'm serious, if you have a 160 IQ, you're not usually a people person. You're just a genius and you are yeah. better than I will ever be. But you can tell we're somewhat personal because we have like 80, 70, whatever the lowest you can get is. That's generally I, where we are. I think I could still be in the military. So like, what? what is that? I think 85's 85? the limit. I think I'm a solid 90. They trust me in war. <laughs> that's, that's about it. But you yeah. get what I mean of I think fantasy lands it a little bit more. Just based on those three huge series that you love so much. If I'm if I'm putting this on a scale, a scale, just, I'm, I'm just thinking about to this. ramble on a scale never. On if it comes down to, I think fantasy does worlds overall on an average better than fan than sci-fi does characters on an average. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? I agree. Of, yes. On the extremities, though, I yeah. think science fiction almost always does a world far more interesting than fantasy. I get does. you. Okay. And so it's that extreme mm. of with a fantasy book, I'm always probably going to get like amazing world building and either okay, uh, okay to really good characters okay. versus with fantasy, I'm going to get good or great characters and an okay world, maybe on very rare occasion, a fantastic world. Okay. But I'm that extreme. I'm going to get one 10 out of 10. with I, I feel my 10 out of 10s world buildings are going to come far more often with a science fiction book. But there's lots of fantasies that have that. And the yeah. characters are way better. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I'll, I'll say this too. With the comparing who does worlds, mm-hmm. who does characters better. And we're assuming that this is a very general assumption. I don't know. Maybe someone will comment going, no, sci-fi characters are great. I, I, we're in agreement that no, there's, there's plenty speaking, of good there's plenty of great sci-fi yes, characters there are but it's not why I'm there right as a general rule and I, I want to go humanity itself is kind of like the character you're, you're, the whole idea is like the world goes through a character world. arc exactly right. yes so like in in the shadow of the fire upon the deep yeah so yeah. it's a different type of story it is and I will say, with that curiosity element, maybe why you love those fantasy stories so much with the world is the magic. Even mm-hmm. though the magic is impossible, add one element such as immortality. So, and, and I guess that could blend in sci-fi as well, but let's forget about all the grand scheme of things. So, immortality is a magic system. Elves, being mm-hmm. immortal, immediately links you to, a, helps the message of the story. And that, the curiosity for me is, hmm, I'm mortal. What would it be like to be immortal? What are the negatives of that? I would think, oh, that's the best thing ever. But then the message of the story ends up being, um, actually, you are given the gift of having a short life. Because when you're immortal and there's no urgency, you live forever, what is there really to live for? 
and it, it's it's the you are given the gift of a limited life to appreciate and love more and just an element like that in the magic boom or mm -hmm. something stupid okay it's not stupid but flying flying is a magic being an impossible magic even though i can't be like oh i'm gonna go fly tomorrow i would still look at flying and be able to appreciate and be curious about flying versus not flying or what are the what what kind of world is it where everybody can fly or you have to be born a certain way genetically to fly and you could relate that to things in the real world where hey i might not be born able to fly but i'm born like not six five <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and i could i could look at the world and go ah damn you lebron james i'm pretty sure he's like way taller than six five but yeah. it's relatable in the sense of fantasy uses elements from the real world that that are have a base truth at times so genetics and fantasy there's genetics in real life it's just it goes to the extreme yeah so you get what i'm saying where it's there's still that what if factor so that curiosity of thinking oh it relates i can relate this to the real world and it sticks in my mind it's just yes it's so satisfying when it's done so well it often just doesn't though the only time oh. i've ever been truly curious okay. about a fantasy world like only as time only time that oh. I've been to the point of doing research and looking outside is Lord of the Rings. Real time, though? I'm curious while reading it. I'll think about it. Okay. But not the same degree. Got it. It's not the same. Where with Lord of the Rings, I was researching outside, looking at forms, reading whatever other people thought. Yeah. That I've... Where with science fiction books, I will read up news articles. I will look up scientific concepts. It just fuels on my need for more information about yeah. some topic or in intrigue. I can't think of any fantasy book other than Lord of the Rings that's done that for me. Where, while reading it, Wheel of Time was amazing and I thought about it, but hmm. and I still think about it, but that, that incessant need for more information and on the need world to itself. learn. Or just, not even just on that world itself, but it brings questions to mind of how that would apply to here. Mm -hmm. And that's the main curiosity it brings me. What would you say the most interesting sci-fi world is to you? Definitely more difficult. I think the most interesting to me was, has been Hyperion. That's been, it's not only, I'm going to say that because I read it. So I can yeah, relate. But it's not only culturally interesting mm -hmm. and Definitely ahead of his time to talk about, like, if you want a good book to see the dangers of a social media and the internet and the, a content-heavy world where there's more content than you're able to consume, Hyperion, I think, has a great exploration of it. And actually, even more so in the second book. The following book covers that far more, I would say. But then beyond that, the idea of space travel, I think, is explored. We still think about how... How it would operate of you have to fly out for 50 years in cryospace to establish a wormhole gateway. And then by the time you're finished, your, your parents are way younger than you. <laughs> and just how that messes with everything. And now worlds are connected instantaneously where people's houses can actually exist in multiple planets. God, love that. The exploration of AI and when do machines... Um, when do machines become able to create other things? Like, what happens at the singularity? 
when technology reaches a point of being able to improve itself faster and better than humans could. Mm. Oh my God. There's endless, endless stuff to think about and research after reading Hyperion and the fall of Hyperion. There, yeah, there's a lot to love. Um, you know my thoughts on Hyperion. We're going to have to have an episode on that because <laughs> I think the world's great. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but with, with your love for Hyperion, we've been talking about this fantasy versus sci-fi as far as worlds versus characters go. Mm-hmm. If you're satisfied with that, I want to move on to another difference yeah. between the two and maybe something interesting that you might... I mean, I think you'll agree with this and just like it more. I love dystopian fil- novels. Yeah. I love dystopian. Mm-hmm. I'll say another reason why I lean more fantasy than sci-fi is sci-fi almost always is dark or dystopian or it's when you're thinking about the future. It, you can find some, but they're, it usually has this tone, this tone to it of the, the stakes are huge since it's universal, so it's grand stakes. There's uh, The scalability is infinite. It could be multiversal. Whereas with fantasy, the two things I'd say is one... It's not always dystopian. You can have lighthearted. You have more comedic with Discord. You can have fun stories. You can have dark stories, horror stories. You have more range. And on top of that, versus where sci-fi worlds have the more dystopian and also scalability, fantasy can be really narrow. I have read, we read Annihilation earlier, where Annihilation is a sci-fi book that is more narrow in scope and does really well with the character. Also think about... um, All Systems Red, the Murderbot Diaries. Yes, that's another one that does that well, those novellas. And mm-hmm. I think there's a reason they're small books because when they're bigger books, typically it's more, it's scaled higher. But generally speaking, Fantasy 1 can jump into those other tones and 2 can narrow the scope. So when you really want to relate to something, and this is where I'm character-centric, if you really want to relate to a story, it, you don't even have to have that many fantasy elements. All you really need is just a mother and son a father and daughter, uh, two, two brothers, two friends, and going on somewhat of an adventure, and it's that relationship that matters. Who cares? The world may be ending in another book, and who knows? You have Marvel now with multiverse here. We have all this crap going on when sometimes I just need a story about, I don't know, I, I want to see a toad. I want to see a toad, and or I want to see a, uh, sorry, turtle, the turtle Ohm. I just want to see him. He's a god? Okay, interesting. I want to see brother. <laughs> I want to see brother and what he learns. But do you get my point of <clears throat> one being the more one-tone sci-fi and two being the scalability could be more narrow as well, fantasy? Yeah, I, I can say that for the most part, most science fiction tends to be more of a warning mm-hmm. that yep. you see often. I do love to read it, that stuff too. It's, yeah, it's great. That, that's why I find it more applicable to day life is... Mm. Science fiction is a warning to be used for the now. Like that, I mean, that's 1984 is the always talked about, you know, oh my God, it, we're turning into 1984. It's yeah, 1984. But realistically, when it was written, yeah, it was exactly written as a warning for future generations. Can I be rude and interrupt world the you same on that? Way. I'll be rude and interrupt you just because I'm going to forget the point. I have a short memory. But with you saying that, would you agree that sci-fi is more of a warning as a society and fantasy is more of a warning as a person. I can see that given a big caveat for, of course, exceptions. This is yes. tendencies rather We're than... We're generalizing, yeah. Yeah, we are generalizing because there's plenty... Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys can name in the comments plenty of sci-fi yeah. or fantasy books that do the opposite. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd agree with you on that. Okay, that, that's, where, that's another big difference of what we prefer then. 
You yeah. care about society. I care about myself. <laughs> Look at you. So who knew I would be the selfless one? <laughs> Out of the two of us. You're yeah, the look selfish at one. Look at Self-centered. That. <laughs> but I think that's another interesting distinction. That that might be true. Maybe so. But going back going back to that, that's like three points we're now on. We're going to have to, ah, we're, just, yeah. we're just whatever. But Let's the, just rant. The tonal, the tonal issue, mm-hmm. not issue, just the tonal difference. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that as well? I think I agree because I've just read more science fiction stories with yeah. that kind of tone. Okay. And you uh, agree with the narrow versus scalability. Fantasy can also get huge and massive. See, I would I would say that overall, mm-hmm. we, we've been reading some good fantasy Fantastic, stories. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of more. The stuff that kind of is forgotten. And most of that fantasy is the big scalable kind of like, there's not a lot of personal stakes. Mm-hmm. I would say that that is very, very common. It's Except the, the best, like, right behind you and those books. Yeah, but I would say, like, I'm thinking of John Gwen's uh, Malice Through Wrath. I'm forgetting the uh, the Faithful and the Fallen I believe series. So. Yeah, where that series does have some personal stakes, but I would say it leans more on the kind of big global, like the societal issues and these big global stakes. The world's going to end stuff. Mm-hmm. Where in Shadow of Lightning leans far more into the personal stakes. And, Shadow, and that's, that's why Brian, I like Brian McClellan's book? No. In the Shadow of Lightning's Brian McClellan's Sorry, book. not Shadow of Lightning. In the Shadow of the Gods. Okay, I was going to say. My bad. Yeah, yeah. But that's John Gwen's second note. That mm. leads more in the personal. And I do like that story better. Neat. Neat. It's, again, you love fantasy. It's your second. Second tier yeah. sci-fi. <laughs> okay, so you, you agree with me on all three points. Yeah. In, in many ways, I can almost say that in the moments of reading, I may enjoy fantasy more. It's more enjoyable to read fantasy at like at a moment while I'm like you catch me while I'm reading. I'm be more okay. excited. It's just I don't. All I'm saying is, what do I think about more often? And I almost feel like that has to be my favorites. That's that's fair. Long, the longevity, longevity yeah. in my mind matters a lot to me. Do you think that sci-fi does a better job at? fantasy and sci-fi have a flag before reading of people who don't read either like oh that stuff is complicated mm-hmm. do you think th- because I've seen fantasy that could have exposition overloads and be complicated as well just like sci-fi mm-hmm. do you think one's more complicated that's that's a tough generalization to make whereas the other Com- yeah because it's complicated how yeah what do you mean by complicated? Like, for me, it would be big words, so that's why Sapphire... No, uh, no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> complicated well, for someone else would be how much, how many characters were just introduced in this page. Yeah, and with fantasy, fantasy yeah. that could be 20 characters in a paragraph. Yeah, they're both complicated different in their own ways. Yeah. But I actually did have a thought of, like, your complexity point made, made it interesting with Star Trek. Mm. Uh, arguably the most well-known, famous science fiction series or property ever really i would say the reason why star trek is so remembered and so beloved is not it does a combination of it imagines one that's a positive world you want your science fiction with a positive spin on the future it's star i haven't seen enough star trek at all like i've seen barely anything and beyond that the best part of it is mm-hmm. the 
character moral lessons to learn from it. Awesome. And putting these characters in interesting moral dilemmas mm -hmm. that we can apply to our own life. Star Trek yes. The Next Generation, I think, if you grew up watching Star Trek, like, your moral hero and paragon that you think to yourself, what would... Um, <laughs> I was about to say, what would Kirk do? And that's not... That's a different person. <laughs> Who are you looking for? What would Picard do? Picard. Okay. If you do, if you follow your life and do, what would Picard do? You'd lead a very good life. Forget Jesus. A, a wise life. <laughs> yeah. Acted with prudence. It's oh god, Star Trek is amazing. I, I wish we I gotta, saw it. So we, we have to watch some it. Star Trek together. That would okay. be a good time. You started. You started to show me some Doctor Who. Those were some fun episodes. Oh, Doctor Who's fun. Yeah, that's Early, your earlier fun, That's your fun science fiction. Yes, but so again, science fiction can be fun. But if yeah. you're especially talking about th uh, shows, mm -hmm. science fiction shows, if we're sticking it to books as well. Oh, like you said, also it's a dread. More fun yeah. than in sci-fi. So it's always a generalization when we're, we're talking mm -hmm. about this. Would you want to throw at me, is there any, is there any other pro-con that you think there's a big difference with that I haven't hit on here? Well, I'll, I'll ask you, and we'll, we'll okay. do some back and forth here. Yeah, what yeah. is... You'll, wait, you'll let me talk back and forth? Oh, I know. Oh, I'm, thanks. I'll yeah. start off yeah, and okay. give you time to think And then interrupt. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna, I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest con that fantasy has for you that sci-fi doesn't really have that problem i'll go first like what is the biggest con that science fiction has that you're a con for sci-fi yeah okay my biggest con for sci-fi i think often is the the entry into it that often you can get stuck in the weeds of stuff where you will get too caught up in the functions of a technology, the function of the world, rather mm. than the implications. It's the implications. It's the Im because of the implications. Because of the implications. God, we make so many references that we don't give context to. And it's, that's just it's great. Just, at least I understood that reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually so out. <laughs> but the implications yeah. of portal travel in a science yeah. fiction story is far more important than how it actually works. However, that does actually have a little balanced line. You do need to explore how it works. You do need to, mm. to add that curiosity to make it plausible. And that leads to far more. So, so that, I think, is, can be a negative, is when it goes too much into the weeds of the how and not the because. Interesting. What would you say is the biggest con with fantasy that... Maybe science fiction doesn't have that. Now, science fiction probably has some, definitely has some of this, but not as much as fantasy. I think mm. fantasy sin has this sin way more than sci-fi, where what makes fantasy great is the believability of the story of the characters and what they're going through. The one thing that can throw a wrench in that is plot armor and deus ex machinus, where when you're setting up a fantasy magic system, you're dealing with the impossible. Mm -hmm. Anything could happen, so putting limits and proper limits so it's believable that your character or something that just doesn't come out of nowhere and ruin the care you had, and it makes it feel what what fantasy does great is making something unbelievable feel real. That's what it does so great mm -hmm. that I can sit here, I understand that dragons exist, and my suspension of disbelief is there, and I am everything is real there to me. But then the second the dragon all of a sudden like breathes fire and then cre crafts a 
penguin. I, I don't know where why my mind went there. Let's just say instead of breathing fire, it spit out penguins. That would be cool if like that was introduced properly. But you know, the big grand battle at the end, instead of dying by fire breath that it's done every time, penguin here and the penguin saves your life. Something wild. Deus ex machina. <laughs> if that's not set up properly, if you don't understand, like, whoa, that wasn't that wasn't set up in the parameters of my suspension of disbelief, you're gonna be deeply unsatisfied. That's what I'd say the biggest mm. con is. Whereas sci-fi, there's Desex Mocking is there. But it's, since it's so well-crafted in the worlds, and the worlds are, you understand the technology, there's those limits, you can sort of stay away from that more where fantasy, anything could happen. It is limitless. Limitless. And within those limitless possibilities, you need to create limits. It sounds like to me that this is a, an issue of fantasy has the, challenge of bringing bringing heaven down to earth and science fiction has the challenge of taking earth to the heavens oh, that was a sexy line right there huh? Huh? and even the pause in between where you went and then sci-fi has to re- like you knew you had a banger and you lingered on it it was just oh. it's all about presentation yeah but do you it's about the implications but both of those things someone can have a preference yeah it sounds like to me you would rather see like the gods coming down to earth and seeing how they play among men and that's an interesting discussion and that's a challenge to make mm-hmm. it believable where science fiction you have to believably take our world and make it more fantastic and a lot of the and cases that's hard to do that's yeah, a hard challenge technology a lot of the times is us trying to become gods yeah i mean a typical fantasy trope is human it's so many fantasy fantasy stories where humans are no longer human you are becoming more technology you're augmented there's ai mm-hmm. there's met, meta concepts here of you are literally becoming the version of the heavens what are your limits here and delves into really interesting parts there, whereas fantasy, less so than sci-fi. Sure. So I'd say, yeah, I, I would agree with the difference there, and I'd agree I'd prefer bringing the heavens down to Earth. Yeah, and I guess I, I personally prefer trying to bring Earth into the heavens. That's why I think, yeah. If I were to say what is my favorite TV show, or at least fondest memories, or most, Im- no, no, not maybe not favorite, most important TV show, be Star important. Trek The Next Generation. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything to that. It it should be mandated TV. Damn. I think if everyone No, you're wrong. The most important TV show is Mr. Rogers. Ah, you got me. You You got me on that one. After Mr. Rogers. Oh, then Steve Irwin. No, 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 no. You get one. Then Bob Ross. (laughs) You only get one. I'm throwing out the goats. How could you even deny that? You get one. (laughs) But if everyone watched uh, Star Trek Next Generation and took that to heart, we'd live in a better world. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'll assume you're right. Yep. Yep. Now, here's the interesting about the, Do you want to bring up anything else? No, that was my okay. point. I want to say this. There are genuine things. When we started this podcast idea, I didn't think I'd get anything out of it. <laughs> I think I got something out of it. Yeah. But just screw the viewers for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what do they get? Who cares? Just yeah. you and me. Me being the fantasy lover, the one that's self-interested about the character and their mm-hmm. growth. I think I got something out of this. I is, think so too. As we talk through the differences, I haven't thought about some of those concepts. I'm like, yeah, oh. it, I think it'll actually make reading fantasy or sci-fi more enjoyable if you put yourself in a different frame of mind. Yeah. How you go into it matters a lot. 
like I, I imagine when I'm going into a fantasy book, I should try and pay less attention to the world and pay far more attention to the character's internal struggle and try and apply it to myself. And that's yeah. where I should focus yep. on my attention and really put that into my frame of mind. Or on your end, like focus more on the societal implications of the world of of a uh, mm. science fiction world. So Definitely. like when reading Dune, you don't read Dune for um for Paul Atreides. I'm sorry, you just don't. When you're not Paul, you're just genuinely uninteresting. No, the best thing that could be said about Paul yeah. is he's interesting. Oh, is okay. he a great character? No. I was just taking at people named Paul in general. Yeah, you know. Joe. But what's more interesting to think about, put your all your mental energy into, is the world and how that applies to us. And always be thinking, ooh, how would that work in our world? What if I took this out? Would we react the same? Is always kind of checking is do I think this sci-fi world is right? Or would people act differently? I think maybe that's a different frame of mind that you'd maybe enjoy um science fiction more i definitely agree go in world first when reading sci-fi mm-hmm. typically exceptions of course barring yeah. exceptions and wow wow this was this was insightful this was a positive one yeah interesting where we started and where we ended up where'd we start i forgot i can't really remember your dad adopted you you stop and also, the back of my head kind of hurts a little bit, so... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the implications. I'll have, to, I'll, get, I'll have to get that checked out, see if I forgot anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another Tudor right. Ramble episode. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye, y'all. Oh, last thing. Oh, did we forget? The Patreon. Patreon. We forgot. We were if you so... want to have these weird conversations yeah. with us, yeah. go down below, subscribe. It'd be great. Yeah. Support the channel. We review a book every month. It's fantasy or a sci-fi book. Yep. And we talk about it with you guys. We also watch a movie every month. We have game nights. We do a lot. Okay. We have. We were so into the conversation, we forgot to be deeply invested in trying to make a profit out of this thing. <laughs> it's just take something. But, All you right. know, I think... Let's just keep this going for another second. I think the mistake mm-hmm. we made there is we started to close off. So people probably clicked off right before the Patreon ad. Mm, yeah we'll have to think about rearranging that if you got all the way to the end and actually made it here comment down below i'm never joining your patreon the implications okay that's better <laughs> yeah don't say my idea okay the implications the implications. put that into your comment somewhere in the sentence we'll know you got all the way to the end all right now ready to sign off now we're good one last thing bye-bye y'all <laughs>Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.